I said, here's what you need to understand when I say head of the household, because some people view that as tyranny or I'm in charge. It's like, no, I'm the head of the household, but not under my own authority. Welcome in to Like a Man. I'm your host, Miles Nielsen. On today's show, I brought on YouTube and Instagram influencer Nick Freitas, and he shares with us what it means to be a good man and what it means to be a good husband. Let's give it a listen. Something that I wanted to ask you about is what your philosophy is on what a good man is and how how do you become that good man, especially for your children to follow and and to look up to? How would you define that? So I mean it's it's somewhat easy actually, because so I'm I'm a Christian and my faith is very important to me. And so there there's certain biblical guidelines that are just fundamental to that question. What does it mean to be a man? And um I think the the first thing is you know, again, I, I get my identity in Christ. And so when there's challenges, when there's difficulties, when there's problems or whatnot, none of that shakes my identity. And the reason why I bring that up is because I, I really think we're going through an identity crisis in, in the West in general, specifically within the United States. And, and, and it's amazing how whenever somebody is faced with a difficulty, a challenge, confusion or whatnot, they're all of a sudden being told that maybe the fundamental core of who they are is what's wrong. And so do something else. So I, I think one of the first things you need to understand about being a good man is understanding your, your fundamental core is what it is. The, the challenges are going to come and go. You shouldn't be surprised by that. If you go through your entire life without any challenges, without any hardship, without any confusion with respect to what the future is going to look like or anything else, I mean, I don't tell me how you did it because that doesn't, that doesn't happen. So the, the first step is knowing, knowing my identity in Christ. And then from there, it's like, okay, what are my responsibilities? Well, as a man, I'm supposed to be capable. I'm supposed to be a provider. I'm supposed to be a protector. Okay, well, what do I have to do in order to achieve those things? To be to specifically a protector and a provider. Protector and provider for who? Well, first it's for yourself. And then when you get married, it's for you and your wife. And then when you get married and have your kids, it's for you, your wife, and your children. So that means I, I have to be, I have to have certain capabilities and those could be a wide range of capabilities. I have to have certain capabilities, which make me economic, vi economically viable, right? I have to be able to provide for my family. Um, I also need to be a protector, which means that that doesn't need to, that <laughs> doesn't mean I need to be, I need to look like the rock, right? I, but I should, I should develop myself physically, um, and have the capability and the capacity to actually engage in violence if necessary in order to protect my family, protect the people I love. Um, so those things are, those things are pretty fundamental. And then when you start to get into, you know, that's just, what does it mean to be a man? You should be able to protect. You should be able to provide. You should be competent uh, physically. You should be competent intellectually. You should be competent um, spiritually, emotionally. Um, John Lovell actually talks about this in a way think, that I think is really good with his book, The Warrior Poet Way, where he says that, you know, you're, you're not just warrior, you're supposed to be warrior and poet, right? There's, there's a, a softness, a tenderness, a, rom a romantic side that also builds up masculinity. And not everybody gets to see that side, right? That's the other thing that's interesting is that there, there are certain capabilities, there's certain things that you develop specifically for certain people and certain purposes, 
So yeah, my, am I going to go around crying all the time when something, you know, affects me emotionally? No. Does that mean I never cry? No, because that's not for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. yep. And so I, I think it's important to understand that it's it's about developing those those capabilities, those competencies within those areas, the spiritual, the emotional, the physical, uh, the professional, that allow you to be able to fulfill your obligations. Because one of the things that I think is very important for for I think men to just understand in general is we get a lot of meaning and purpose by having those responsibilities and by performing in, in our, our duty to those responsibilities well. Uh, th- this idea that really what we need to do is allow the government to just kind of take care of everything and then we'll have time to write poetry. And do, No, part, part of being a man and part of living life is building something, and that will come with challenges, that will come with difficulties, but you will get, your, you will get a great deal of meaning and purpose out of rising to those challenges and developing those skills in those areas that I mentioned in, in, in order to achieve them. And then obviously there's also a philosophy for what does it mean to be a good husband? What does it mean to be a good father? And I mean, I'm happy to get into those if you want, but, um, but to answer your first question, that's, that's what it means for me to be a man. It's being competent and capable spiritually, emotionally, physically, and professionally. I love it. And when you were talking and it, it brought up the scripture, first Timothy, um, chapter five, verse eight, where Paul says, like he who can't provide for his family is an infidel, right? And it it plainly worse teaches than an infidel. is worse, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it plainly teaches it. And I think that is being lost and it's becoming so diluted and con- there's so much confusion around that that there needs to be some clarity on this topic that that you're hitting on specifically. And I'd love to hear your take on fathers and everything specifically that you were going to bring up. Sure. Uh, well, so for for being a husband. You know, I, I remember I, I have this. I have this story. I always tell of this this woman I was sitting next to on a plane, and um, she was trying to adjust her. She was trying to adjust her light because she was trying to read something, and her light wasn't working. And so I said, "Well, do you want to you want to trade seats so you can read?" And she goes, "Yeah." And she goes on to say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm reading a you know things for a job interview I'm going to. It's really important. I just got married." And I said, "Oh, hey, just so you know, being married's great, man. I love being married. Being married's awesome. I know culture and pop culture likes to run it down, but it, it's great." And she looks at me. She goes, "How long have you been married?" At that point, I had been like, I think somewhere 15, 16 years, somewhere around there. And she goes, you don't look that much older than me. And she was, I think, 29 or something like that. And at the time, I was probably you know, 33 or whatever adds up to getting married at 19 and you know, 15 years. Um, and I said, well, no, I, I'm, I'm not that much older than you. She goes, how do you make it work? And I said, do you really want to know? And, and she kind of looked at me. She goes, yeah, I do. I said, okay, we have a biblical worldview of marriage. She goes, what does that mean? which was a little bit shocking that she would have no conception of what it meant, but it just kind of shows you where we are as a culture right now. And I said, well, what it, what it means is, is that I'm, I'm the head of my household. And she immediately stops me and she goes, why does there need to be a head? Why does there need to be someone in charge? And that was great. She was very nice, very pleasant about it, right? She just wanted to know. And I said, well, when you got married, did you say till death do us part? She said, yes. I said, okay, did you mean it? She's like, yes. I'm like, okay, what happens when you disagree? you're going to go to a corporate board and, and make a decision. Are you going to, are you going to farm the decision out to someone other than, you know, you t- what are you going to do? I said, here's what you need to understand when I say head of the household, because some people view that as tyranny or I'm in charge. It's like, no, I'm the head of the household, but not under my own authority. I'm the head of the household under the authority. God has granted me as a husband, 
but it comes with a whole list. <laughs> I mean, it comes with a whole you know, mountain of responsibility associated with it. I said, so when I tell you I'm the head of the household, that doesn't mean I come in every, I wake up every morning and I say, okay, this is what's going to happen. And this is what you're all going to do. That doesn't happen. I said, you know, all the years I've been married, we've been through like 10 moves, 12 or two combat deployments, like multiple other deployments. I can count on one hand the number of times my wife and I have not agreed on a course of action and I had to make the decision and she had to follow me in that decision. But my responsibility is not just insist upon that because, again, it's not under my authority. Scripture is the authority. And so if I violate that, I don't get to say, well, yeah, but I'm the head of the household. That's not how this works. I'm not a, I'm not a tyrant. Secondly, my first priority, the moment I got married, my wife became more important to me than my own life. And, and that's, not just, that's not just a preference. That's just not how I feel about her. No, that's commanded of me. Because right after scripture where it talks about, you know, wives submit to your husbands, it talks about, and men love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. So we, we accept a responsibility within this worldview. And I understand a lot of people don't have this worldview, but I'm explaining mine. Within this worldview, what that means is the moment I got married, like her protection and provision for her are paramount responsibilities, which if they ever demanded my life for hers, that's the price I have to pay. That is the price of leadership in, in what I'm talking about. And at that point, she was like, oh, okay, I, I, okay, I get that. I said, so what it means is that not only do I have to protect and provide, it also means that I have to live in a way that is worthy both of, of her love and respect, but, but also of the leadership I've been given. And so when you start having children, that now that the number of people that you're responsible to for that kind of expands. And so I, I think what was really important was to understand it. Like, no, I, I love my wife. I respect my wife. I adore my wife. I, I will not, um, like, I, I don't talk trash about my wife to other people. Like that drives me nuts when guys do that, where they go out with their buddies. And I'm not talking about like kind of funny stereotypical jokes that you would say in front of your wife as kind of like kidding around, right? They're, those, those are fine. I'm talking about guys that seriously run down their wives or act like they can't stand to be around them or act like they can't stand to be married. Like that is a, that is a total punk move. Um, when I, when I see that, I just look at it as like, dude, that's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. Like I love my wife. Does that mean, does that mean there aren't times where we drive each other crazy? There's absolutely times that we drive each other crazy, but I'm loyal to her and she's loyal to me. She doesn't talk trash about me to her friends. Right, my job is to build and lift her up. Her job is to build and lift me up. That's what this. That's what this arrangement means. It means that when we go through things or when we have issues, it's between her and I. It ain't between somebody else. It's not between each other's parents. It's not between our kids. It's not between our friends. It's between her and I. And when you when you practice this and you develop this, and over time you realize that no matter what happens. No matter what happens in this life, you have someone that is there who will go through it with you, you know, sometimes help drag you out of it because no matter what happens, me and her against the world, me and her against the world. Now, when you foster that sort of relationship, the whole duties and responsibilities with, with leadership and sacrifice and submission and all these other things, those do not, those do not fall into these popular cultural narratives of what they look like. Um, it, 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 is, it is someone going through life with someone that, again, you love and respect both as your best friend, you love and respect romantically, 
Um, it, it's the one person that you can know you can go to. But you gotta you gotta develop that. You gotta commit to that early on, and you have to develop it. It doesn't just happen because you put a ring on someone's finger. But if you if you're operating within that biblical worldview, here's and, and here's the last part I'll talk about with respect to um, being a husband. Because this is a, this is a lot of people will try to act like, well, I want that, but I I don't want this. I don't want you know I don't want your religion. O- okay, do what you want. But here's what I'm going to tell you: the reason why it works within this framework is because both of us understood going into it that the rules that we were playing, the moral code that we were appealing to, was outside of us. It wasn't based on our preference. It was based on what we both believe to be objectively true. And some people look at that as a prison. I'm telling you right now, it's the most liberating thing that you can do with your life. Because when there is objective truth, when there is objective morality, when I make a mistake, I don't get to say, I'm in charge. No, babe, you're not. Because we both believe this and you didn't do that. You know what? You're right. And guess what? Guys, you want to know how to win an argument with your wife? (laughs) Right? When you both agree on what that moral standard is, when, when you go, both agree on what that standard of conduct is, when that standard of truth is, right? And then you realize that, okay, I'm not trying to beat my wife in an argument. We, as a married couple, are trying to, trying to get on the same page with respect to what is the truth in a particular situation so that we can both be better seeking it out. So that's why, that's why this is important. And, and what I would tell people is like, fine, if you want to try something different, at least you can one of the greatest things I love about my faith is that it's not tyrannical. I'm not compelling you to do anything. I'm not coercing you to do anything. But if you're going to ask me, how do you make it work? I, I don't know what to tell people. We have been through, again, the whole list of things that we, we have been through in our life that, that would strain a marriage. The first 10 years I was married, five of it I was away from home. Right. And, and I was, I was all over the country. I was all over the world, sometimes in dangerous spots, sometimes not, but all kinds of opportunities for either one of us to do the wrong thing, to become bitter, to become resentful. Right. We chose not to, and we chose not to because we both agreed on what the standard of truth and morality was. So you can, you can try to do it all of it without that standard, without that objective standard given to you by God. You can try to do that and you will probably, you will probably see benefits from it. Because there's certain principles that are just fundamentally true. But if you're never asking, okay, why is it fundamentally true? Then something's going to be missing from that relationship. And, and I, don't, I don't know how to give other advice apart from that. Because if I, if I just say, hey, be respectful and don't talk smack about your spouse to other people, that's true. That, that, is, that is absolutely true. That is a good principle regardless of what you believe, regardless of what your faith is. But it's an incomplete principle. It's incomplete it, 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 it's not reflective of what I've actually experienced. What I've actually experienced is I don't do that for a variety of reasons, and this is one of them. And so that's what I would say. Being a, being a husband uh, within that framework I think just makes a lot of sense. And when, and when people follow that framework, it works. And when people don't follow that framework, they tend to have a lot of problems. Okay, well, empirically, how should we, how should we look at that and how should we interpret that data? So yeah, that's, that's what I would say about, um, that commitment as a, as a husband. Something that I learned recently too, while we're on this topic is when Adam in Genesis names Eve, he couldn't become a husband and gain that title without her. And so you're in it together, just like what you're saying. And, and another thought that came to me while you were talking was when I was talking to my wife about this topic, 
she gave a really good definition of leadership too. That's one of my favorites. And what you were talking about as well is leadership. It's more about controlling yourself than it is about controlling other people. And and I love that definition of it too. And anybody knows when, when you're married, one of the first lessons that you learn, if you're in like what you're saying, a biblical marriage is you cannot go into that marriage dominating and trying to interpret that the wrong way. It is, it's a fast lesson that you learn real quick in my yeah. experience. So <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. We're going to end our conversation there and we're going to continue it later on. I want to thank Nick for coming on and spending the time. I also want to thank everybody for listening until next time. <laughs>